This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Today, cloudy, showers, high near 65. Mostly cloudy tonight, slight chance of showers, low around 54. Mostly cloudy Saturday, then gradually becoming sunny, high near 72. Sunny on Sunday, high near 76. An Endicott store that officials said was involved in apparent criminal activity has been kicked out of the space it occupied on Washington Avenue. Village Mayor Linda Jackson said Endicott Deli and Grocery was evicted following a lot of police calls. The mayor said that the store on the corner of Washington Avenue and North Street had been the source of plenty of problems in the recent years. She said the store has been suspected of illegally selling marijuana. The business is said to have closed suddenly this week. A person who works near the site said when the business shut down operations, it was like a hurricane. He said merchandise was abruptly removed from the store and hauled away. The man said there was a constant influx of problems caused by people who visited the business. The store at 2 Washington Avenue is directly across the street from the Huron campus near the building occupied by BAE Systems. A man who fled a New York City daycare center where a child died earlier this month from suspected drug exposure has been taken into custody and faces federal drug charges. Authorities have been searching for Felix Herrera-Garcia for almost two weeks. U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York State said Herrera-Garcia was taken into custody by Mexican authorities working with U.S. law enforcement and arrested upon entry in California. He is expected to make an initial appearance in a federal court there. No information on any legal representation for him was immediately available. A federal agency has proposed thousands of dollars in penalties against a Broome County construction company after a worker was critically hurt in Binghamton. Keith Totten of Port Crane was run over by a bulldozer last spring at a street reconstruction project. He sustained leg, hip, and pelvis injuries in the incident on April 7th. Totten was working on Clinton Street in the first ward when he was struck as a piece of equipment backed up. A spokesperson for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration said an investigation was started after the agency was notified of an injury to an employee of Chicago Construction Company. The company has offices in Endicott. OSHA's website indicates the agency initially planned to assess a total of nearly $9,400 in penalties for two serious violations. The potential fine was reduced to about $4,700. The investigation determined the company failed to provide proper training to the person who was operating the bulldozer that ran over Totten. OSHA also concluded the reverse signaling alarm on the dozer could not be heard above the surrounding noise level. The review also determined a person was not posted to signal to the operator that it was safe to back up. A senior advisor to Democratic Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, who abruptly resigned this week, was accused earlier in the year of sexual harassment by a former co-worker. The woman says Shapiro's former legislative affairs secretary subjected her to lewd and unwanted sexual advances during her brief time working in the governor's office. 
She said the person's behavior forced her to quit that job. A message seeking comment was left Thursday on the cell phone, but was not immediately returned. Shapiro's spokesperson declined to comment directly on what he called a specific personnel matter, but he said the administration takes allegations of discrimination and harassment seriously. Randolph Bullock of Dryden was sentenced yesterday to serve 97 months in federal prison for a possession of child pornography, announced the, the New York State Attorney Carla Friedman and acting special agent in charge Alfred Watson of the Albany Field Office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As part of his prior guilty plea, Bullock admitted that in January of 2018 and April 2021, he possessed images of child pornography on three separate devices, including images of minors. In reaching a sentence, the court found the defendant had committed a prior pattern of uh, activity involving the sexual abuse or exploitation of two minor children who were four and six years old at the time of the conduct. Bullock was sentenced to 20 years of supervised release following his term of incarceration and ordered him to play, pay restitution of $3,000 each to two of the children whose images he possessed. Upon release from imprisonment, he must also register as a sex offender. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. Joseph, this is Binghamton Now, Friday, September 29th, 2023, and we are opening up your phone lines at 607-772-1290. Well, what's on your mind? (laughs) I know it's on the mind of many listeners, and certainly you can confirm that when you call in. And uh, discuss, discuss your concerns, discuss your fears, your worries. What will happen today and what will happen this weekend? Express yourself live on News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. It's already been a very eventful week. We have uh, some very important, very interesting stories you will be Treated to when you check WNBF.com. Already have been hard at work reporting out a couple of stories this morning. So, even though it's Friday, and by all, by all rights, I certainly have uh, earned the right to catch my breath and at least figuratively phone it in. That's not what I'm doing today. Some good stories for you. 
and uh, we look forward to uh, also seeing what else comes up because you can prepare for certain stories and then some stories just happen when you least expect them and those are among the most interesting stories that's why we have news and not AI well the AI could do the same thing at a fraction of the cost well <laughs> and part about doing news at a fraction of the cost or doing a talk show at a fraction of the cost with a $39 AI program it may be true you could save some money but quality quality would suffer and the human touch would also be absent let's see uh, government shutdown looms hate to start off on a downer but uh, you know, some people troublemakers you might say are intent on shutting it down what kind of American would want to shut down the federal government's well, the kind of American who doesn't believe in the value of federal government. If you are working for the federal government in any capacity, my thought is your first responsibility is to keep the government running. A, do your job, and B, do everything within your power to keep the government running. That's your primary job. Keep it running. If the federal government can't keep going, you know, what hope is there for the rest of us? So anybody who thinks that shutting down the federal government is a good idea, you have to explain why shutting down the government of the best country on planet Earth, why shutting it down makes any sense at all. Of course, it is... <sighs> Senseless. 914, let's take a call. We begin with line one. Hi, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, it's Ron from the West Side. Good morning, Ron. What's on your mind? Well, you know, no, I don't think it's a good idea to shut down the government. I, I agree with you. Uh, but I do have an idea. Uh, if you're in the mood this Friday for a a revolutionary idea. I, I have one. Now, you're going to think I'm joking. And in a way, I am joking because it starts with a joke, but it has implications that I think can be useful. Do you remember Father Guido Sarducci's five-minute university? I remember him. I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, he, he uh, uh, floated the idea of what he called the five-minute university. And the idea was simple. Uh, he could teach you what you need to know in various courses in five minutes. Uh, in five minutes, you learn what the average college graduate remembers five years after they're out of school. So you don't waste all of this time. You just get down to teaching in five minutes what people will retain. Uh, you know, you go to college, you memorize, you parrot back on a test, and, and it takes a long time. It takes four years, whatever. He could teach you what you'll remember if you take an economics course. I don't know if you ever have. I have. 
But uh, if you take an economics course at uh, Father Guido Sarducci's five-minute university, you learn simply supply and demand. That's all anyone remembers if they've taken an economics course. Uh, if you uh, become a business major, also takes five minutes, uh, business majors learn that the essence of business is buy something and sell it for more. Good example right here in town is Davis College. Uh, Adam Weitzman bought it for $3.7 and just sold it for 4.5. Now, that's business. That's, that's what you need to know. You don't need to get into complicated charts and graphs and curves. So Father Guido Sarducci's university is simple, five minutes. Now, he put that on as a joke. But think about it. We've got people going to four years of college. They rack up immense bills, and they, which they have to pay off. Some people are paying it off in their 60s. Uh, instead of that, since employers want to know, did you graduate from college? Do you have a college degree? And you can say yes. They don't, they don't go into well, what exactly did you learn. They just want to know if you have the certificate. So for starters, what we can do here in our area, I wanted to make this uh, local, what we can do is we've got Binghamton University, a four-year degree-granting university, and we've got SUNY Broom, which grants two-year degrees. Now, what I say is let's just say you go to SUNY Broom for two years, you don't get an associate degree, we're going to make it a bachelor's degree. We start scaling down. Uh, you'll learn enough in two years at SUNY Broom. Uh, you'll remember, you know, very little of it, just like someone going to the four-year Binghamton University. So let's scale down and let's, uh, let's get people degrees uh, after two years. And uh, maybe we can even bring that further down. Maybe we can say, hey, if you want a degree, a bachelor's, here are the tests you have to take. Uh, go study this on your own. Come back and take the test, and you get your degree. Uh, but we've got a system in place which serves university professors, administrators, developers. It's an economic engine. And, and it's uh, critical. The, it is critical to Broome County. I mean, we need that yeah. money. Let us not, yeah. you know, what, what we need is actually for students who come from outside the Binghamton area to stay here longer. So instead of getting um, what they regard as a, a sufficient education at BU in four years, we need to find ways to keep more of them here for another two, four, six, eight years because every additional year that they're in the triple cities means more money for restaurants, businesses, and property owners, and we need the money. Well, Bob, here's the thing. I don't disagree that uh, Binghamton University is an economic engine of our community. What I'm saying is the students who come here, okay, 80% of them, 85% of undergraduates come here to get the red cups and uh, roam downtown and have a good time. That's right. Uh, it, fuels, it fuels the downtown economy. Without those... Yeah. People swilling cold beverages from plastic red cups downtown. I'm not saying downtown will be totally dead because we do have um, some businesses 
including eateries and and other specialty shops that are not solely dependent on on students for their survival. But I mean, certainly the quality of life here on State Street, right near the beautiful Binghamton Now Tower, that would be forever changed. Well, the quality of life uh, that depends how you look. Well, at by it. the way, I didn't say it. I didn't say it would be worse. I said forever changed. <laughs> I I worded that very carefully. I didn't. I didn't say what the change would be, but it would be forever changed if we didn't have people staying, young people, um, spending thousands of dollars every weekend here on the the State Street. The State Street Strip. So yes, the the quality of life would be forever changed. And depending now, obviously, if you're a business owner in that part of State Street that I'm talking about, between Court and Hawley, yeah, your livelihood would be forever changed. And then, terms of, I mean, think about uh, public works crews. So much less work every weekend or every month that the, the city might actually have to consider reducing staff because not as many people would have to be there to um, help clean up after uh, weekend celebrations. Well, Bob, you know, I don't disagree that I I know that Binghamton University is an important uh, part of the uh, economy. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying these these, uh, kids that come up and uh, in four years uh, run up uh, a bill that they have to pay off. Uh, what are they getting for it? It's it's a, a time of, uh, you know, hanging around and, you know, doing some learning. And uh, you go to the university and do uh, you get taught by professors. It's a research university. You get taught by teaching assistants and adjuncts. And then you go downtown and you drink beer and have a good time. And then you have a big bill at the end of it. So let's cut the bull and let's give people degrees uh, by taking tests. Let, let's have, uh, you know, you have civil service tests. You have all sorts of tests which qualify people to get into certain professions. Have a test. Let's let's have a uh, testing system rather than a college four-year system. You don't, you, you don't need it. You can educate. Most people educate themselves. And if you want to learn, you continue to learn after you leave college. And most people don't. It's over. They got their degree. So let's find an easier way to give them their degree and to cut out uh, all of the uh, burden that they're going to have later on. Uh, so uh, five-minute university, uh, supply and demand. You can, you can. Father Guido says you could study Spanish. All you have to learn is como esta usted and muy bien. That's all you remember after you're out of college. You know, and that'll, that'll do it. So just teach them that. And two other sentences that won't be broadcast on this program. Anyway, thank you. That's uh, that's <laughs> at least that's what I remember from my French. But you know, that's of course I was taught French at Union Endicott High School, and my teacher Joe, thankfully knows him. He, he was a great French teacher. We had fun. And then, uh, oh, who, what was the other my other French teacher? She was good too. <sighs> thank you. That's. And now I'm reverting. The years I was a tiger. Well, as they say, like in a wego, once a tiger, always a tiger. It's 923-607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, it's Friday. Open line, so I suppose the listeners are in charge. 
of Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. It's wonderful. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Senator Dianne Feinstein has died at the age of 90. The first woman to represent California in the United States Senate. Feinstein served for more than 30 years as part of a career of public service that spanned more than a half century. ABC Stephen Portnoy has more on her life. A liberal icon in her day, the former mayor of San Francisco was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1992. Diane Feinstein rose to become chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and she famously and publicly sparred with the CIA over its post-9-11 interrogation programs, which she described as torture. Feinstein was the oldest member serving in the Senate at the time of her death, and she spent many of her final months in declining health. In recent years, Feinstein resisted calls from fellow Democrats to resign. Feinstein also wrote 1994's assault weapons bill. She chaired the Senate Intelligence and Rules Committees. She also served as the ranking Democrat on the Judiciary Committee. Senator Dianne Feinstein was 90. Brian Clark, ABC News. WNBF, Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? I am well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. We're going to pick Princess up this afternoon, so I'll be more happier. Yeah, well, it as um, and, and maybe our listeners uh, didn't catch it earlier this week, you you lost your uh, longtime companion. Your, uh, your cat died, and she was how old? Well, 12. Yeah. She was 12 years old. Yeah. Well, I I know the loss of a pet, a person, or anything that's dear to you, it's, it's always tough. Um, and it takes time to accept the loss. And then, going forward, I think it's important to uh, always... Always cherish the memories. I'm sure you have pictures of her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What I called, what I called to talk about, Bob. I know that I know other countries. They need help and so forth. You know, I real, I realize, Bob. Well, well, what, but what's wrong with some of these other countries, like France and those places, and England and those places? Why? How come they're not, they're not helping people? That's what. That's, well, maybe maybe Well, maybe they do help people, and maybe we don't really hear about it. You know, there's a lot of news that goes on around the world that we Americans just don't hear about. It's either never reported, 
say, on the radio or TV or even in the New York Times. Or when it is reported, we don't pay much attention. So I don't know specifically. I know or I think I know that the United States quite often when it comes to um, humanitarian aid, uh, military aid and things like that, the United States, I believe, typically is one of the leaders in the world in providing help for people who need it as far as exactly how things stack up with other countries i don't know i i mean i'm I'm sure i could look it up and probably find out some specific numbers i i think it would be important for every country for the united states to continue doing what it can afford to do and also for other countries around the world if they're in a position to help out to try to do more if it's possible i you know you know i like i said i don't i don't mind the united states helping ukraine but but you know bob and uh shutting down this government and so forth a lot of people they're not going to be able to pay their bills. They're not going to be able to, you know, they're not going to be able to uh, do a lot of things. And I talk to people, nine out of ten people that I have talked to said, hang on to what you have, you know, because you might not get your Social Security next month. Well, you will. Kind of, let me, I've heard that from yeah, nine let, people already. Well, when it comes to Social Security, <laughs> you'll get it on schedule. That you will get. So are some other things. Uh, some people will have their pay delayed. One thing that I think is so important for people to understand, every time that this sort of stunt happens, and that's what shutting down the government is, it's a sick, twisted stunt that is forced on us by uh, a, a few people, sometimes the people who actually perform this twisted stunt of shutting down the best government on earth, uh, it, they're different people and sometimes their motives are different. But in the end, government eventually will start back up and then the people who weren't paid while the government was shut down will get their money. And in the end, this whole process of shutting down the government and then restarting it, I believe, winds up costing us money. It's going to spend, we will wind up spending money unnecessarily because every payment that gets delayed during a government shutdown ultimately will be made. And then there'll probably be some associated cost with getting things restarted. So it's, it's a twisted, sick, pointless exercise in futility and that's the way that we want it we're being held hostage by by uh, a merry band of uh, political pranksters and hey what what can you do that's how our government is set up if they don't if they don't have enough concern for good americans like you and me what can you do yeah that's you know, true that's the, that's the sad thing a lot of people don't like. A lot of people say. A lot of people don't like Biden. But my good. But my goodness, I mean, he's doing the best he can. And in my opinion, a lot of people. I don't like. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. What's to say 
if we get if we get rid of Biden and we we have somebody else, you know, I mean, it's just like a circle, and it's all in count of election. Yep. Next year. Yep. And and there are a selfish few people who want the spotlight to themselves because they think they're more important than you, Beverly. Oh, I know that. I Yeah. And I what a shame. That. What a shame. What what message does that send to kids? Well, that they can't that that our government can't be trusted. That's that now <laughs> I have I have a granddaughter. She's nine years old. And once in a while she, she listens to the radio. She asks her mother, what are they talking about? And her mother will tell her, you know, the way that, you know, that she should know. And, you know, I these young kids today that are growing up, they're growing up. What's it going to be like when they, when they, when they grow up? I mean, they go to college and they get a degree and all this and they get out. And they can't find a job because everything is all messed up. That's true. I I think it's I think it's a shame. I think I think every time that these folks who are focused on their own personal political concerns shut down the government, they're sending a powerful message to future generations that it's okay. It's okay to hold 332 million Americans hostage. Yeah, and these these politicians they're they're hollering about people. They're hollering about well, we're not going to get paid. We're not going to get paid. Well, if they save some of their money, they might have they might have something to go back on. Well, but the I'm the ironic sure. thing, Beverly. The same people who are going to shut down the federal government at midnight tomorrow, they're going to get paid. The members of Congress will all get paid. They'll get all their benefits as usual, even though some military personnel and members of the TSA and other critical government employees won't get paid on time. So, yes, they, they can shut down the government and make life miserable for many, and they'll still get all the money that they think they deserve. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The, the government, in some ways, is good. In some ways, they're, they're wrong. That's very, very true. And I, I hope you have a great weekend. Okay, Bob, and thank you for talking to me. We all love you. Thank you. It's 936. This is Bob Joseph, a voice of reason at a time where reason is often disregarded. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Yeah, voice of reason. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to buy this Azuzu? Yeah. Give me a call. Yeah. Are you going to shut down the government? Yeah. You think it's a good idea? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
This is News Radio WNBF. It's Friday. Let's have some fun. Between now and noon, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming on the WNBF app. We now go directly to downtown Binghamton Court Street, front of the Broome County Public Library. Larry, who actually is from Waverly, but he's waiting for his wife, who's at the big book sale at the library. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Bob. Very nice intro with Olivia Newton, John's version of Not For You. I love that song. Yeah, it's very good. Um, yep, the missus uh, likes to come down. We make the trip whenever possible for the book sale. Uh, she puts together her, you know, reading list, and uh, she usually does very well here. So it's worth the trip. Well, that's great. Um, that's great that uh, even people from outside Broome County take advantage of the uh, regular book sales at the library here on Court Street. They used to have a big one that was up at the Arnott Mall, which was a multi-day affair from the Shimong Library System, uh, but the the uh, pandemic kind of put the squash on that, and they it hasn't been the same. But this one is good, and I listened the other day when you had the, the lady from the library on talking about things that were coming up. So God bless the library and uh, what it means to communities. We need more of them and uh, a good source of uh, you know knowledge and a uh, place to go and meet people. Yes, I, um, uh, I, I commend them for the work they do. The best thing my parents ever gave me when I was about five or six years old, and I'm in my early 70s now, was when they gave me my first library card. And uh, it helped me with reading. Uh, it helped me, you know, language and stuff. And it opened up a whole world at that time and uh, continued on. So that those were one of the lasting gifts that mom and dad gave me while they were in this world. Um, so... Anyway, what I was calling about, uh, Beverly, God bless you. Uh, and, you know, I know you miss your uh, beloved. But, uh, you know, cats and dogs and pets are a part of the family. And, uh, you know, they, they bring so much to us. And uh, so we have a cat at home, and, you know, she's special to us. And uh, the other thing is why I'm calling. Um, I listened to Vinny yesterday. And uh, don't always agree with him, but he's a good voice of uh, reason and a counter to some of the other people that call. I couldn't get over the person that followed him. I mean, <laughs> uh, that was that was something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it. I, as I've said, the program essentially is open to virtually anybody. I mean, obviously, if if somebody goes totally over the line, they're not going to they're not going to get anywhere. But if Eh, you know, people, hey, we all have opinions and, and some, right. we, and we all have different ways of expressing our opinion and, and sometimes people take things, um, 
I don't know. Take things, I think, too, too personally. <laughs> eh, you know, look, yeah. I the way I, I approach it, I think, this is my belief, that the people listening and the people who call in, ultimately they want what's best for their community and our area and our country. And, hey, there are different ways to possibly approach it and i i work to try to be a better listener and i'll i'll concede i'm not a great listener all the time but well, you, know, you do I'm, all right yeah. remember when you when you uh started when you took over for tony russell and uh, i listened when tony was on and uh you know he was he was one of a kind and uh, you know, God bless him wherever he is. Uh, he, he was uh, he was great. You coming in, you know, you had to get up to speed. I think you've done very well for the time you've been there. You're a good news person because you get out there, you you know, you you research the stuff, you see it up close, you put it on. And uh, this is one of the few uh, last I would call it last bastions of democracy where you can have a show like this, where you can have such a give and take. And uh, it's healthy, even if we don't agree with everybody's opinion. Well, thank you. That's you basically um, summarized how I feel about it. You know, it's. I well, think it's important. I wish every town, small towns, big towns, and everything in between had a program like this, at least an hour a day. And whether people in the Binghamton area appreciate this, most areas don't have a program like this. I, I maintain that this program may be one of a kind. Now, a couple of times in the past when I've made that assertion, uh, I'll sometimes receive emails and say, well, what about such and such a program on some station? It's, you know, yeah, it's a call-in. But I, I just think in terms of what we have here in terms of uh, a mix of callers, uh, guests, some who come in the studio, some who are available by phone, and just uh, a wide array of topics, sometimes a lot of political. But then I look back on the first four days of this week, and we did probably Monday through Thursday less focusing on politics than we normally do. Now today, even though it's Friday, we may focus more on politics, especially since we're close to a government shutdown. Um, but the fact is, this this program, to a large extent, is in the hands of the listeners. The listeners remember, I can't, I don't know if it was on Monday, I think it might have been Monday or maybe continuing into Tuesday, talking about NYSEG and the smart meters. That was that was a dominant <laughs> thing. That that affects almost almost everybody who has a home or or even a commercial building, those smart meters are coming, and a lot of people talked about that. And I I didn't see that coming. So you never know. The, the listeners can sometimes guide the program and sometimes come up with uh, better topics than the host, and I'm open to that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting subject. Uh, we have a funeral going past here right now. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> yeah, uh, on on Court Street. Uh, so, which way are they headed? Uh, toward downtown, um, or uh, they're headed um, towards uh, the Toyota dealer. I think they're stopping at the church here. Oh, uh, St. Mary's, I believe. 
Well, anyway, you know, it's the local, uh, yeah, I think so. People are going into church. The hearse is pulling up. The family. So, yeah. Well, thank Um, you for for that. So people on that part of Court Street know um, right now, uh, show respect. And, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I appreciate your your pointing that out, and that's another thing. See, we're we're in real time. You know, some programs do do their shows, especially some national shows that are trying to be clever. And instead of doing their entire program live, it's it's a blend of real real live stuff mixed in with plausibly live stuff. And I I don't really care for that. I mean, I understand why they do it. You know, logistically, it's designed to make life simpler for them. But my philosophy is on this program, everything's live. Sometimes I get called from people who might be interested in doing a segment or someone who I want on the program. They'll say, well, can we record that some afternoon? Because 1010 in the morning, that's just not convenient and, um, more, most of the time. Most right. of the time, if they say they can't do it live, I say, well, I wish wish you could, but you know, someday in the future when you can somehow free yourself to get near a phone for ten minutes at ten ten, do it. But I'm I'm disinclined to record interviews. I think since I started this program more than eleven years ago, I think we ran two recorded interviews and it was okay. I mean, it's it's not so much that it requires more work to record ahead of time, but it does. The other thing is, I just don't think it's in the best interest of the listeners. I think having this is probably the only media enterprise I can think of that works without a script, without talking points, and with virtually everything. At least the the call elements and the um, guest elements live, unless well, it's say- you know occasionally I'll I'll play something back and say well here's something from whenever, and so that's identified as pre-recorded. But you know most of this weekday production is is live, so even I don't well, know what's going to happen. It's it's more honest and is better give and take. Um, It's what, you know, if you get into politics, if you have a politician on, they should be able to think on their feet and and you should be able to ask them questions and they should, you know, be able to answer them. Uh, The one reason I called, I pulled in the parking lot and as the wife's getting out, I heard that Senator Feinstein passed. So it's going to be interesting to see who gets appointed to fill her term. The other is Senator Menendez from my home state in New Jersey. And I was very disturbed to hear him speak the other day, and he played the the reverse race card. And basically what he said was, they're picking on me because I'm a Latino. And I'm thinking, oh, come on. And even AOC, who was on, she goes, no, don't even go there. I mean, you read that indictment. I mean, who carries 13 gold bars in their home and over $400,000 in cash stuffed in your congressional jacket <laughs> yeah now you again i mean to his point i mean and that is very part right to his point to his point you know technically he's he is in the eyes of the law innocent until proven guilty fortunately the reality of the situation and this being politics he um he's in the end 
He's not doing himself, his wife, or the Democratic Party, or for that matter, the nation, any favors by staying in the Senate right now. And and ultimately, he may be exonerated. Ultimately, if it goes to trial, he may be found not guilty. By the way, if it goes to trial, the verdict isn't going to be innocent. The verdict could be not guilty because it's possible the government won't be able to prove its case to the satisfaction of a jury. But I think in the meantime, if Mr. Menendez wanted to be honest with himself, he, he knows what the right thing to do is under the circumstances. I appreciate your call. Well, real quick, can I finish on that? Um, he uh, he was he, he was uh, on trial several years ago, and it was a deadlock jury. Yes. So I so I think what they're doing is looking a little closer. Chris' previous behavior, uh, possibly that. And the other quick thing is when they asked uh, Speaker of the House McCarthy the other day, should he resign, and he starts to go on, and then somebody said, hey, how about your buddy George Santos? And all of a sudden, oh, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Thank you for your call. It's 9.52 at WNBF. Uh, I think when it comes to asking elected officials questions about political matters it's all it's all very situational yes the other party is is bad and anybody accused of doing something wrong in that other party ought to quit they ought to be locked up what about your colleague huh 953 bob joseph live on wnbf Right now, heavy rain in New York City area. Not good. Not good at all today in New York City. Long as I remember being coming down. Clouds of mystery confusion on the ground. Goodness Here in the Binghamton area, we are fortunate there will be some rain today, but the forecast indicates nothing to be really worried about. Cloudy today, a chance of showers. And for the Binghamton area, they now say between one-tenth and one-quarter of an inch possible. And then a little more rain tonight, about a tenth of an inch. However, New York City and down Long Island, New Jersey, coastal areas, it's... um it's bad. It's already bad. And there are uh, flash flood warnings in effect for much of the New York City area. And uh, just word now on Twitter from an NBC correspondent that NYPD and the Fire Department of New York are responding to many flooded basements with people inside. So things are starting to get bad. They might get worse today, unfortunately, in New York City. The Angie's List. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today, cloudy, showers high near 65. 
Mostly cloudy tonight. Slight chance of showers. Low around 54. Mostly cloudy Saturday, then gradually becoming sunny. High near 72. Sunny on Sunday. High near 76. An Endicott store that officials said was involved in apparent criminal activity has been kicked out of the space it occupied on Washington Avenue. Village Mayor Linda Jackson said Endicott Deli and Grocery was evicted following a lot of police calls. The mayor said that the store on the corner of Washington Avenue and North Street had been the source of plenty of problems in the recent years. She said the store has been suspected of illegally selling marijuana. The business is said to have closed suddenly this week. A person who works near the site said when the business shut down operations, it was like a hurricane. He said merchandise was abruptly removed from the store and hauled away. The man said there was a constant influx of problems caused by people who visited the business. The store at 2 Washington Avenue is directly across the street from the Huron campus near the building occupied by BAE Systems. A man who fled a New York City daycare center where a child died earlier this month from suspected drug exposure has been taken into custody and faces federal drug charges. Authorities have been searching for Felix Herrera-Garcia for almost two weeks. U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York State said Herrera-Garcia was taken into custody by Mexican authorities working with U.S. law enforcement and arrested upon entry in California. He is expected to make an initial appearance in a federal court there. No information on any legal representation for him was immediately available. A federal agency has proposed thousands of dollars in penalties against a Broome County construction company after a worker was critically hurt in Binghamton. Keith Totten of Port Crane was run over by a bulldozer last spring at a street reconstruction project. He sustained leg, hip, and pelvis injuries in the incident on April 7th. Totten was working on Clinton Street in the first ward when he was struck as a piece of equipment backed up. A spokesperson for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration said an investigation was started after the agency was notified of an injury to an employee of Chicago Construction Company. The company has offices in Endicott. OSHA's website indicates the agency initially planned to assess a total of nearly $9,400 in penalties for two serious violations. The potential fine was reduced to about $4,700. The investigation determined the company failed to provide proper training to the person who was operating the bulldozer that ran over Totten. OSHA also concluded the reverse signaling alarm on the dozer could not be heard above the surrounding noise level. The review also determined a person was not posted to signal to the operator that it was safe to back up. A senior advisor to Democratic Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, who abruptly resigned this week, was accused earlier in the year of sexual harassment by a former co-worker. The woman says Shapiro's former legislative affairs secretary subjected her to lewd and unwanted sexual advances during her brief time working in the governor's office. She said the person's behavior forced her to quit that job. A message-seeking comment was left Thursday on the cell phone, but was not immediately returned. Shapiro's spokesperson declined to comment directly on what he called a specific personnel matter, but he said the administration takes allegations of discrimination and harassment seriously. 
Randolph Bullock of Dryden was sentenced yesterday to serve 97 months in federal prison for possession of child pornography, announced the, the New York State Attorney Carla Friedman and acting special agent in charge Alfred Watson of the Albany Field Office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As part of his prior guilty plea, Bullock admitted that in January of 2018 and April 2021, he possessed images of child pornography on three separate devices, including images of minors. In reaching a sentence, the court found the defendant had committed a prior pattern of uh, activity involving the sexual abuse or exploitation of two minor children who were four and six years old at the time of the conduct. Bullock was sentenced to 20 years of supervised release following his term of incarceration and ordered him to play, pay restitution of $3,000 each to two of the children whose images he possessed. Upon release from imprisonment, he must also register as a sex offender. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290. WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Bob Joseph with another hour of live radio. No scripts, no idea what we'll be talking about. You can help though by calling 607 772 1290. Go ahead. You know you want to call. He said. <laughs> Playing psychological games with you. You know you want to call. Nudge, nudge. Like the little radio host on your shoulder. Do it. Do it. No, don't do it. Don't do it. What is going on? Well, government shutdown looming. So if you are... One of those who may be concerned about the shutdown of the federal government. Stay tuned. Stay completely tuned. And we'll see what actually transpires. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's Roger from Choconut. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm... Vertical and breathing. That's uh, 98% of it right there. <laughs> um, I would just like to say something to alleviate some of the fears that are being instilled in people on this government shutdown. Uh, Mark Levin did a complete breakdown of government shutdowns, and over the past 20 or 30 years, there's been 20 under Republicans, under Democrats, anywhere from one day to 18 days, and the military was paid, Medicare, Medicaid was paid, and Social Security was paid. So while it's not the best way to resolve issues, uh, we will survive just fine, and uh, I, I don't want people to run around all scared that the government's going to collapse because it's not, um, because 80 2% or 83% of the uh, federal bureaucracy is paid even during a shutdown. So I just wanted to tell people you can relax a little bit because we're not going to lose our government. All right. Thank you. 
Well, that puts it in context. Let's take a look, though, at uh, our mail bag. Do we have mail? I think we do. Hmm. Yes, we do. Here's a note from a listener, Mary Ann. Regarding the government pending shutdown, here are my thoughts. I, too, get upset with those senators who appear to be making a political stunt for their own political gain, but I must remind myself that those senators are representing their constituents who put them in that office. While their actions are contrary to most of us, we are a democracy, and I am very happy to live in a democratic country where all voices are allowed to be heard. In my experience, I learned that conflict is often good, and out of conflict, often those contrary voices suggested something I might not have thought of, and once considered and agreed to, can move everyone to a better place. It's my hope that this current conflict, with sympathy to those who will have an economic impact with the shutdown, will be settled to bring our nation to a better place. Not a lecture, just my own personal thoughts. All right, Marianne. Oh, I like those thoughts. And you do make a valid point. There could be, ultimately, some sort of silver lining from a shutdown. My preference, my strong preference, as you heard previously, is that the government never be shut down. I think just as a matter of principle. On the other hand, some of those, including some... House Republicans who feel strongly and know their constituents feel strongly about some very important issues, they may think this is the best course of action, or maybe, in their opinion, the only realistic course of action to try to get their concerns taken seriously. So if if they're feeling frustrated, and I believe at least some of them who are supporting the shutdown, I get a true sense. They're they're so frustrated that they think this is ultimately the best choice. Um, I respectfully disagree with that. I, I believe there are other ways or potentially other methods that could be employed, but you know, maybe given the realities of Washington, maybe that ultimately is is their conclusion. I suspect it is. If I were representing, if I, Mr. Joseph goes to Washington, if I went to Washington to represent, say, this um, section of New York State in Congress, I would be disinclined to ever support something that would shut down the government. Now, Having said that, I guess I could imagine maybe some scenario where I would be willing to support a shutdown. I don't. I don't know. Could happen. I I won't say it can't happen. Could happen. But ultimately... Ultimately, we'll see. And and to Roger's point, well, yes, we've been through this before. It's hardly the first shutdown, and 
unfortunately, it isn't going to be the last. And who knows, the next time it could be a contingent of Democrats who um, take a hard line regarding some position and feel that's the only way they can get their voices heard. So I just wish for everybody concerned whether ultimately, as I said, people ultimately will get what's coming to them. Those who might not be paid on time probably will wind up getting everything they were entitled to. Who knows? I don't recall if, if people ever get a little something extra for having to endure the hardship during a shutdown. Maybe, maybe not. But anyway, um, I think I think in most cases people manage to muddle through it. Will there be a few exceptions? Perhaps. It's a big country and everybody is facing their own situation. So I guess I guess it is realistic to say some people may face some real dire consequences. I know I, I'm hearing feedback from some folks who over the last few days have been generally unimpressed with the PR campaign of highlighting all, oh, it's uh, it's going to be terrible and woe, woe is us and if you wanted to go visit a historic site or some sort of federal monument, you might not be able to do it during a government shutdown. Yeah, that's that's too bad. If you're planning to go to D.C., to see someplace <laughs> this Sunday, well, you might want to have some other plans. But you should have other plans anyway, because in life, things happen. Well, I wanted to see the Lincoln Memorial. Well, here, here's a penny. Take a look. Well, the kids wanted to see it. I know. It's always going to be there, probably. So... Reschedule your trip. Why don't you reschedule it for uh, cherry blossom time next year? Kids will like that even better. It's 1019. This is Bob Joseph. 607-772-1290. Oh, did I mention? It's Music Friday. So if you want to talk about music, music history, you certainly are welcome to do that. So many people like talking about music that... That's always a crowd pleaser. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Hell 
It's all right. Don't you worry about it, man. When you move it slow, it sounds like a moan. And it's all right. Whoa, it's all right. WNBF at 1022. And that's 722 for our friends in Pacific Palisades. Hello. How are you? How are you in Pacific Palisades? And, of course, to our destitute friends in Malibu, how are you? Got you covered here at WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Well... On Washington Avenue, there's a place really close to the BAE Systems Building. The majestic BAE Systems Building. Where many highly skilled people work every day. Unless they're still zooming in. Effectively phoning it in. But many actually believe in going to the office, and many of them do. Congratulations for those who have the work ethic. So on Washington Avenue, almost across the street from the beautiful BAE facility here on campus, there's a corner building at 2 Washington Avenue, the Avenue. Once beautiful shopping district, that was the pride of America, one of America's favorite shopping districts for several decades. And then, well, of course, things happened. IBM effectively deserted Endicott, not totally, but uh, thousands of people who work nearby at the IBM complex lost their jobs. And then Endicott Johnson went belly up. And then, well, inevitably, times changed, and so did the Avenue. So... This place at 2 Washington Avenue, and I've been keeping an eye on this place now for several years. It's been a deli and grocery store. I think initially, the the people who owned it um, had a different philosophy than the uh, people who've been operating Endicott Deli and Grocery most recently. So we've been told by Mayor Linda Jackson in Endicott there were a lot of police calls associated with that business. Apparently some of the people who um, were attracted by this place at the corner of Washington Avenue and North Street were getting into trouble, it seemed. And so ultimately the business was evicted. They got kicked out. I think Endicott was on the verge of trying to uh, explore using the lockdown law because it was just becoming an issue, according to the mayor. And so the uh, the store, which was the source of plenty of problems, now is um, closed. And I thought, well, let's take a closer look at the store. I was in there once, and I talked to one of the guys at the one of the guys behind the counter, who was very pleasant. I was working on a story. And he was pleasant, and I didn't see. At the time, any anything that appeared to be criminal in nature, I thought, well, hey, it's a store. Endicott Deli and Grocery. Everyone loves delis. 
everyone needs groceries. So, but so they evidently were evicted. I don't know all the specifics. We haven't been able to reach the owners of this building, some LLC based in Orange County. And also, we weren't able to track down owners of the Endicott Deli and Grocery, but they uh, they shut down apparently several days ago. And I was talking to somebody who has a business nearby who told me, "Yeah, it was it was basically pretty wild when they, <laughs> I guess, instead of having a going out of business sale, it was just as wild. They're hauling out all the <clears throat> merchandise." From the Endicott Deli and Grocery, and I guess, I assume, loading it into trucks or something, and then hauling it to who knows where. Actually, I think I know where they hauled it to. It's probably a story for later today. Um, Mayor Jackson said she was pleased that store is out of there. The guy I spoke with who works near there said place was, um, there were constant problems, a constant influx of problems. And uh, one thing that happened, and it was years ago, and I think this was under the uh, previous owner, but still, you may remember what transpired in the fall of 2014 at that I think it started at the deli again I think looking at the story I originally did I, I think may have been under different ownership and they were calling it then the Washington Deli so at about 1245 on a weekday afternoon they said uh, a guy came in and stabbed the owner of the deli, 29-year-old guy. The deli owner had asked the guy to leave because he was harassing customers. So the business owner got stabbed. And then this guy who stabbed the owner of the deli started puncturing tires on parked cars on Washington Avenue and then stabbed a 32-year-old woman in the neck. All she was doing was walking on the sidewalk. So... She gets stabbed in the neck, and blood is spurting. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're eating brunch. But this is the truth. So blood is spurting from the woman's neck after she was stabbed by this guy who had been ordered to leave the deli. And so fortunately, a good Samaritan saw what was going on and helped the woman and helped control the bleeding until medics got there and then went into a business and locked the door while the man who did the stabbing is pounding on the door. Imagine this. And so the the business owner is trying to control the bleeding after the woman was stabbed in the neck. The blood is spurting all over the place onto him. He's calling 911 to get the cops there. Get an ambulance, get a truck to haul her off to Wilson. Then the guy enters the bank just a little bit down the street, and then he announces a robbery. And so he apparently took money 
from a teller's purse and then fled. So the police get over there and they they chased him and then tried to tase him with a taser and that didn't work. So a short time after that, the guy was found inside a sushi restaurant over near the Price Chopper on North Street, and then the police were able to take him into custody. So, you know, the guy was charged with all sorts of things, robbery, attempted assault, assault, weapon possession, menacing, criminal mischief, resisting arrest. So there's the story. Now, that goes back. I know people are saying, well, Bob, don't dwell in the past. That was nine years ago, almost. Well, I know. Fortunately, that type of episode hasn't happened again. But it just goes to show sometimes bad things happen to good people. Now, I also learned in reporting out this story that the guy who ultimately was arrested here, he was... He was having some real problems. I I was told, ultimately, that the guy who wound up being arrested and accused of the stabbings and stealing money from the teller's purse and all that other stuff, that things really weren't going well in his life. And he, he had. He had apparently some relationship problems, maybe some mental health issues and maybe some substance abuse issues. So there's always, there's more to the story. It was, as far as I know, just based on stuff I've pieced together, it's not like it's not like the guy was working across the street at here on campus and at 1245 on his lunch break decided to attack people. He had, he definitely had problems. And unfortunately what was going on in his life I think, took control. And I don't know ultimately what what became of him. All I can say is I, I hope he ultimately got help. Anyway, circling back around this long loop about the deli, they, uh, they did close. And now, if you go by there, there's a little padlock. I give them credit for spending money on a beautiful blue padlock on the front door so the place is secured with a padlock probably not made in the USA and uh, you look inside the place is trashed so all the merchandise that had been in there is gone and now all that's left is is wreckage shelves and fixtures and just uh, miscellaneous trash. So now that's what's on the corner of the avenue across the street from the BAE Systems Building. So I don't know what the story is. People who own the building aren't local. No way to contact them to ask what's up. Uh, The person I spoke with I'm sure was happy that at least for now the place is quiet because the business moved out all of its stuff in a hurry. But he's not optimistic. He thinks 
you know, before long, another place will set up shop right there at the same spot and more trouble will ensue. That's his concern. And what can you do about it? What can you do if there is a business ultimately that sprouts at that site and continues to attract an unsavory element? Yeah, it's definitely would be nice. And, and I've said this from the beginning, since BAE Systems moved to North Street after they were flooded out of their building in Westover, it would be nice to have a nice locally owned coffee shop at that spot. And you know the type of coffee shop I'm talking about. There are two specific no, three specific coffee shops that I can think of right now that would be welcome at that spot. And that would improve. They would attract a savory element, not an unsavory element. They'd be selling coffee and baked goods. And that would potentially be the start of the rebirth of Washington Avenue, which... I know the rebirth of Washington Avenue is underway and people are starting new businesses and I'm happy to see that. But certainly this spot, this location at that corner of Washington Avenue and North Street would be, in my opinion, an ideal spot. If I had the money to set up a decent coffee shop there, make it look nice, not with a bunch of hand-scrawled signs and make it look like, you know, Bob's Discount Coffee Hut, but something, you know, we could call it Clever Brew or something like that. And it would attract, as they say, you build it, they will come. But somebody has to have the vision and also somebody has to have the money to do it. But that would be one small step for man, one giant leap for Washington Avenue to improve what's been a, a difficult problem. So, just a thought, 1036, Bob Joseph on your side, just working for the betterment of America. That's all I'm trying to do, 607-772-1290. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. A lot of Joseph at 1040, serving America with no hands tied behind my back. I don't deserve to be restrained. Steve in the town of Dickinson, good morning. You're on the air. Hi, Mr. Unrestrained. Hope you are well. So far, so good. You know, based on the first 10 hours and 40 minutes of the day, looks looks like, uh, as they say, Everything is nominal. Um, I'm calling about the uh, electric and gas meters that are being changed out in our area as a unhappy customer of NYSEG. Um, I did get a notice in the mail a few weeks ago that people were going to be coming around to change out meters and there may be a service interruption. And I kind of put it aside and forgot about it and then 
This week I went out my front door and saw somebody bent over my gas meter, and I asked him, uh, what are you doing? And, um, and he said, well, I can't talk to you. I'm working. Um, and I said, well, um, gee, um, you're working on it? He said, yeah, I'm working on it. Don't worry about it. Everything's okay. And then he, when he was done, he walked away. Uh, I kind of would like to know that they're there on my property before I, I see them. Now, in the notice that said, we'll knock, didn't knock. Um, I'd sure like to know things work okay before they go. You know, I was worried about my pilot lights on my furnace and my hot water heater. And uh, he said, oh, don't worry about it. Well, I've kind of heard those things before. No knock. I, I did call around. I called NYSEG and she said, oh, we don't handle it. It's a subcontractor. Um, I said, yeah, but I'd like to know it's done right on my property. And I'm sure other people do. So what's someone to do? I also called the Public Service Commission. I just got off the line with the supervisor at uh, Grid 1 who's doing the work. We do thousands a day. Don't worry about it. Everything's okay. It's what I hear. Well, I'm glad they think there's nothing to worry about because it's not their house. I um, I would think that NYSEG would want their um, contractor to do better um, in terms of interacting with customers. So I don't know. Let's face it. They're, they're in the process of doing thousands or tens of thousands of smart meter installations. So it's possible that some of their people may not be as well trained um, and and maybe they need better training or retraining to address some of the concerns because it, in my opinion, as you pointed out, even with the postcards that were sent out to all the affected customers, apparently, it'd be very easy for people to forget or, or whatever. Or, hey, the way people treat their mail these days, unless unless they see something that looks like uh, a check or something that looks like a court order, a lot of the stuff gets ignored. I mean, I'm looking at the postcard right now. Uh, it's a glossy postcard, and, and sure, it says on one side uh, with a generic picture of. Um, of a worker, your smart meter is coming soon. And maybe maybe people are in such a hurry or they didn't look it over very carefully, so I'm sure that you weren't the only person who wondered, why is somebody on my property? Yeah, well, um, what I was able to do, and one of the reasons I'm calling in is to help your other uh, listeners, I, was, I called uh, Grid 1, and was able to schedule my electric meter replacement so that I could have my computers turned off. And for those who work at home that, you know, if they just come to your neighborhood and turn off the electricity and replace your meter without knocking on your door, you, you, you may want to be forewarned about that. So I scheduled it next week. So I, I know to turn off my computers ahead of time with a safe shutdown, you know. Right. No, that's that's an excellent point too. I don't know. Um, haven't 
I haven't uh, had a chance to uh, contact somebody from NYSEG to come on the program personally with a, a, a project of this magnitude, such a large-scale project of installing smart meters. I would have thought NYSEG would have contacted me and said, can we have a representative come into the studio uh, at some point in September? to let our customers know what's going to be happening because we want to do our best to get the message out so people know what we're doing and try to address concerns. Even this, and I know this this will never happen, but imagine if you had somebody here at WNBF on Binghamton Now in the studio explaining what they were going to do and then spending about 10 minutes taking calls from listeners. Wouldn't that be helpful? Well, you sure would. But they probably need a restrained host to do that. Mm, well, let's put it this way. I I would treat any representative of NYSEG, whether it's the president or any other person who's designated to talk about their smart meter rollout, I would treat them very well. They would probably be actually surprised at, at how well they'd be treated, and they might even almost want to come back on the show someday. I'm sure they would be well treated. Yeah. Hey, you know, you talked about this being a big project. I looked it up and I found in the Poughkeepsie newspaper that it's over $500 million. And, I'm, and I see NYSEG's going for a 22% rate increase this year. Yep. Uh, and and that means, that. just so people understand, uh, the smart meters... That are being installed, yeah, they're they're expensive, and that means ultimately all ratepayers will bear the cost not only of the smart meter but also the cost of the people for the contractor. The people are showing up on your property to do the work. Everybody, everybody wins with the smart meter program. The the contractor, the people who make smart meters, NYSEG, because they get uh, to roll out the new technology. And, and customers. Everybody is a winner. Somehow I don't feel a winner. <laughs> well, I was waiting for your response. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how they would frame it. Prob- well, I shouldn't say how they would frame it. I have no idea how they would frame it because they haven't been on the program yet. But I'd be anxious to hear if they try to frame it as, as a win, 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 win. That everybody... Everybody gains from this, and and maybe, maybe, if and when somebody from NYSEG is willing to come to the studio to talk about what they're doing, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have a better understanding. I, I will be the first to admit I know just a little bit about smart meters, but I would love to know more. I think it would be a wise move on the part on the part of the utility to send someone down here to the studio on Monday or Tuesday so we could ask them some questions and get out some important information. Great idea, Bob. All right. Well, maybe when I get done today, maybe I'll call the person from NYSEG to see if she might be willing to set that up. Hope it works out. Okay. I do, too. Because I want to convey... Accurate, timely information to protect you and your family. Andy and Vestal, you're on the air. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Hey, um, got a question for you. Um, I wanted to find out, um, 
Um, have you ever heard of, it's called MidHudsonNews.com. It's a, uh, it's in the Hudson Valley. My cousin is a, uh, is a reporter, uh, entertainment reporter in the, uh, uh, in, a, in a publication called the River Reporter, and he report and he's uh, he's a guest on uh, oh Silberberto and friends. I, I I think I, it's it's a it's a news. It's basically Catskill news. It's same idea as WNBF, um, uh, pretty much. And they were advertising, um, you know, Mid Hudson News covering local debates, um in their area for various races. Our area doesn't seem to possess that ability uh, or that, that I guess the interest. And I wanted to find out if, um, how do you generate that type of interest? You know, obviously, you know, I'm well, who, who I'm, what I'm involved in Bastel right now, but, um, uh, but I think, I think constituents, I think many more constituents would like to know, you know, when they're voting, who are they voting for? You know, and what their platforms is, are and so forth. Um, obviously, um, SKG covered the um, uh, the race for um, county attorney, but they did not. Uh, they they they're not they they're not seem they don't seem to be interested in covering for um, a local race, local races. So I just, you know, I just, you know, you seem to be pretty smart in the, <laughs> in the networking world. What would you recommend? Well, if people have the resources, start up a website called Southern Tier News and pattern it after Mid-Hudson News. And well, it looks like they have uh, local advertisers. I don't know how they're doing. I mean, a, gla- a glance at the website now makes it look like it's a serious venture. And, Ooh. you know, there, here's the thing. There are still quite a few journalists, either people who've retired or those who uh, wound up being kicked out of the business involuntarily. There still are a lot of journalists in the area who could do something called Southern Tier News or some other website similar to this Mid-Hudson enterprise and do some great reporting. The question is, how do you monetize it? How do you get people? You know, the bottom line comes in in the reason for the, the, yeah, the reason for the demise of America's journalistic infrastructure isn't because people aren't interested in what's going on. It's, because they don't want to pay for it. That's the bottom line. Hey, I got to run, but uh, we might talk more about that actually next hour, about the future of news in the area and across the U.S. It's a very important topic. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Cloudy with some rain today in the Twin Tiers. Be prepared. I saw you sitting in the rain. Raindrops falling on her. She didn't seem to care. She sat there and smiled at me. Oh, well, did she make you happy? She could make 
1054. Back to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, Robin, Fort Crane. I love Music Friday. Oh, great, great music. What's on your mind? Hey, before I got a music story for you, if my wife's listening, honey, I saw that bear. He stood up and looked at me. So I'm way up on top of the hill, and I'll be home in a little while. Uh, he went the other way, so he's down between me and you. So that's that. Anyway, I've got a music story for you, Bob. It was about the time I met Jerry Garcia. I the Jerry being, Garcia of of the Grateful Dead. That's right. What a great, great guy. Down to earth, super nice guy. I was I just got out of boot camp, and I had two days until my graduation. This is back in the early 80s. And uh, anyway, I was, I was on the beach with some friends, and we're walking, walking along and talking, and I walked by, we walked by the, uh, I, I walked by, I split up from the group because I had to go take a little break, if you know what I mean. And I walked by the lifeguard station and I look up on the steps. I see this guy look just like him. And I stop, I go, hey, you're you? No, he goes, no, I get that a lot, you know. So I go, okay, cool, you know, have a good day. I walk in, did my business, came back out and he's still there. And I said, are you sure you're not? You know, and he goes, no. He goes, I do get that a lot though. I guess he's, I guess he's pretty popular. I said, well, have a good day. And he waved to me, and I saw his finger was missing. And he goes, oh. He had a Homer Simpson moment. But we ended up having a few, uh, you know, few doobers between the four of us. And uh, it was a good time. Very nice man. Yeah, I I would have liked to meet the guy. I, I'm just looking now. I was, I didn't realize that he was very young when he died. Yeah, at that point, I think I, well, he was... He was up in his fifties, wasn't he? No, he was fifty-three. No kidding. Yeah, yeah that that's what it was. says. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem possible. And um, yeah, just one of the, I'll just say, in my opinion, one of the more intriguing characters in the music world. And yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Ultimately, the impact that he had on music well, and what, what a what a great opportunity. The fact that that happened to you. Well, one of my uh, recruits that I was with, he, you know, he was like one of these real deep thinker types, you know. So he, he, he asked Jerry, so what's the meaning of this and what's the meaning of that, you know? And, you know, Jerry's just kind of like blowing him off and, and, you know, just trying to ignore the thing, you know. And then finally he says, he, 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 I turn to him, he looks at me and he shakes his head and he goes, it's about the music, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate your call. Thank you for sharing that on Music Friday. Meeting Jerry Garcia, a legend. More coming up. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Ron was overjoyed. They settled my account with the IRS. I was ecstatic. They are a lifesaver. They are. I am so happy. <laughs> Take Ron's advice and call Optima now for a free consultation. Yeah, don't do like I did and wait. Call Optima Tax Relief. Do it now. You'll be ecstatic like me. <laughs> call 800-343-6460. 800-343-6460. 800-343-6460. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. A massive fentanyl bust in New York. Police say more than 40 pounds of fentanyl has been seized from a drug mill in the Bronx. Here's ABC's Aaron Katursky. The DEA says the drug mill was just blocks from the daycare where a one-year-old died and three other children had to be revived with Narcan after they were exposed to fentanyl. Investigators say they found bricks of the drug on top of playmats and beneath a trap door in the floor. 
Law enforcement sources tell ABC News the owner, who's among several people now charged in the boy's death, had pulled her own toddler out of her daycare, fearing he would be exposed to fentanyl. The woman's husband was caught in Mexico. He's now back in the U.S. and facing federal charges. The 40 pounds of fentanyl seized is enough for about 1 million lethal doses. After 25 years, Netflix is shutting down its DVD by mail service. The company's mailing out its final DVDs today. It'll focus on its streaming service. Netflix says it's fewer than 1 million subscribers will get to keep the final discs. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today, cloudy, showers high near 65. Mostly cloudy tonight, slight chance of showers, low around 54. Mostly cloudy Saturday, then gradually becoming sunny, high near 72. Sunny on Sunday, high near 76. An Endicott store that officials said was involved in apparent criminal activity has been kicked out of the space it occupied on Washington Avenue. Village Mayor Linda Jackson said Endicott Deli and Grocery was evicted following a lot of police calls. The mayor said that the store on the corner of Washington Avenue and North Street had been the source of plenty of problems in the recent years. She said the store has been suspected of illegally selling marijuana. The business is said to have closed suddenly this week. A person who works near the site said when the business shut down operations, it was like a hurricane. He said merchandise was abruptly removed from the store and hauled away. The man said there was a constant influx of problems caused by people who visited the business. The store at 2 Washington Avenue is directly across the street from the Huron campus near the building occupied by BAE Systems. A man who fled a New York City daycare center where a child died earlier this month from suspected drug exposure has been taken into custody and faces federal drug charges. Authorities have been searching for Felix Herrera-Garcia for almost two weeks. U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York State said Herrera-Garcia was taken into custody by Mexican authorities working with U.S. law enforcement and arrested upon entry in California. He is expected to make an initial appearance in a federal court there. No information on any legal representation for him was immediately available. A federal agency has proposed thousands of dollars in penalties against a Broome County construction company after a worker was critically hurt in Binghamton. Keith Totten of Port Crane was run over by a bulldozer last spring at a street reconstruction project. He sustained leg, hip, and pelvis injuries in the incident on April 7th. Totten was working on Clinton Street in the first ward when he was struck as a piece of equipment backed up. A spokesperson for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration said an investigation was started after the agency was notified of an injury to an employee of Chicago Construction Company. The company has offices in Endicott. OSHA's website indicates the agency initially planned to assess a total of nearly $9,400 in penalties for two serious violations. The potential fine was reduced to about $4,700. The investigation determined the company failed to provide proper training to the person who was operating the bulldozer that ran over Totten. OSHA also concluded the reverse signaling alarm on the dozer could not be heard above the surrounding noise level. 
The review also determined a person was not posted to signal to the operator that it was safe to back up. A senior advisor to Democratic Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, who abruptly resigned this week, was accused earlier in the year of sexual harassment by a former co-worker. The woman says Shapiro's former legislative affairs secretary subjected her to lewd and unwanted sexual advances during her brief time working in the governor's office. She said the person's behavior forced her to quit that job. A message seeking comment was left Thursday on the cell phone, but was not immediately returned. Shapiro's spokesperson declined to comment directly on what he called a specific personnel matter, but he said the administration takes allegations of discrimination and harassment seriously. Randolph Bullock of Dryden was sentenced yesterday to serve 97 months in federal prison for possession of child pornography, announced the, the New York State Attorney Carla Friedman and acting special agent in charge Alfred Watson of the Albany Field Office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As part of his prior guilty plea, Bullock admitted that in January of 2018 and April 2021, he possessed images of child pornography on three separate devices, including images of minors. In reaching a sentence, the court found the defendant had committed a prior pattern of activity involving the sexual abuse or exploitation of two minor children who were four and six years old at the time of the conduct. Bullock was sentenced to 20 years of supervised release following his term of incarceration and ordered him to pay restitution of $3,000 each to two of the children whose images he possessed. Upon release from imprisonment, he must also register as a sex offender. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290. WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Bob Joseph, one more hour of a very busy week. We're not done yet, though. The phone lines are open now for you at 607-772-1290. If you haven't called yet today... Go ahead. Speak to me on WNBF. When they come to take you down. When they bring that wake around. When they come to call on you. And drag your poor body down. theme of the Kellogg's plant in Battle Creek, Michigan. Making cereal for kids. Here's the recipe. Just make it sugary. I know. Poor. It is poor, and I at least embrace the poorness of that comment. More calls coming up. Hopefully the caliber of discourse will improve from here. Greg in the Hills of Vestal. Good morning.
Good morning, Bob. I got a question for you. How long does it take to get from Round Top to Ideal Hospital? Hello? Yeah. What, in a car, on a bike, walking? It's an old Endicott joke. Nine months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Maybe not as much okay, today as maybe not as much today as in the '60s and '70s, but I'm 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 sure it still happens. I got another question. How long does it take Linda Jackson to send somebody up there and trim down those sumac bushes so you can look out and see the view? Well, now that's a trick question because although the village of Endicott retains ownership of Round Top, the people responsible for the operation and maintenance are, um, it's Broome County now. So any, uh-huh. any trimming that is done is, is done by the county and. Or is but, not done. Well, yes. Yes. And I've noticed that as well. Uh, I, I certainly was, was um, enthusiastic. Some will a- even say I was in some way responsible for um, getting that beautiful um, little little thing. I, what do they call that? The the viewing place there. Uh, we overlook. talked about yeah the over. Thank you. The overlook and and thankfully, um, Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo was able to secure state money to make that possible. And when they built that, the county also did, I think, a very good job at at trimming the trees and the brush that obscured the view. Um, but I was just up there. When was I just up there? Oh, Sunday. Yeah, kind of a kind of a bleak, dreary somewhat rainy sunday and and i was up there though and yeah i noticed what you're talking about i hope hope um maybe in the coming weeks say before winter i mean obviously after after the leaves fall from the trees the view will be better but still it'd be nice to have uh, a lot of that trimmed seems to me obscured yeah it seems to me back when endicott was responsible when it was uh, a village park area when endicott was responsible that they did the trimming on a regular basis i don't know if they did it every year or every other year but they i think kept it kept after it on a a more regular basis so maybe maybe it's a case where um broom county parks officials just need to be reminded that when when they have a chance that they can get to it i i don't know how i've never seen them actually do that it strikes me that it logistically it might be a little tough to do as well but i i hope they uh can get to that to um to enhance our views because i love that spot year round oh, so yeah. whether it's, it's the jewel you know, of endicott it is it is so so hopefully you know a lot of people they tell me listen to the program including uh people in the county and the village so maybe Maybe with people in Endicott and also people at the uh, Broome County office building hearing our conversation, maybe they'll check into that and see if um, they can schedule a crew to to take care of that. I don't I don't think it would take that long, but they definitely yeah. definitely I think need a few people to handle that to do it safely. The road the roadway on the way up is in poor condition as well. Yeah, I noticed that. 
You know, the other thing, speaking of the old days, I wish, and I know this will never happen, but I, because I don't think Endicott police want it to happen, but really wish the, um, the roadway that used to be the exit, you know, to head back down, I, that they closed. I wish that was reopened. I wish it was just a loop, yeah. but you know, that, that always, you know, back in the day when I was young, I, I always thought having that quick exit was, was useful, if you know what I mean. I sure do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You brought back a lot of memories. Nice memories, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Hope you have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Eleven yeah. sixteen. Yeah. If Round Top could talk. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. This is Bob Joseph. Thanks oh, for the memories. Yeah, give us a call if you have memories. Or you want to talk about music, you could talk about local memories, too. Hey, it's Friday. It's fun day. Maybe if you talk about memories or music, I'll stop. Oh, See, when what happened was I was throwing a pen around here, apparently for comedic effect, and it occurred to me the only person on the planet who would find that funny is me. And then something else happened. I, you know, again, the bottom line is you shouldn't be throwing a pen in a radio studio. It's lesson one. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello? That's my mom, Ma Bell. A me. 1117, this is WNBF. Remember, this is the only thing that's currently on 92.1 FM or 1290 AM. Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. News Radio 19 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. 
Bob Joseph, getting the job done. Here's uh, a helpful hint. If you were planning to go to New York City today or anywhere in the so-called tri-state area, you might want to change your plans. I think it's a wise move to change your plans if you had thoughts of, oh, I don't know, going down to Broadway to see a show or something. Uh, Right now is uh, not the time to be in New York City. They've got rain. And same with Long Island and coastal sections of New Jersey. Governor Hochul has declared a state of emergency across much of the New York City area. This according to the New York Post website. Torrential storms flooded the Big Apple subways and streets. So subway service is uh, being cut back. And there could be big service interruptions coming up. As the rain continues to fall, the downpours, according to the New York Post, hit hardest across parts of Brooklyn with more than three inches of rain during a single hour. That is triple the amount state officials had said they expected the storms to produce. So the governor said, I'm declaring a state of emergency across New York City, Long Island, and the Hudson Valley due to the extreme rainfall. Some areas of the New York City region might receive six, seven, eight inches of rain. The forecast around here, not anything like that. We are getting some rain today, but according to the current forecast for Binghamton, precipitation Today will be between one-tenth and one-quarter of an inch. So cloudy today with showers, high 64. A few more showers tonight. But tonight, a precipitation amounts of less than a tenth of an inch. Then tomorrow should be nice, partly sunny, with a high of 71. It's 1122 at WNBF and WNBF.com. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, we, we now have some more information from um, Governor Hochul and about the, unfortunately, about this rain that is continuing. It's amazing. Actually, I'm looking at, at some of the pictures. Very heavy rainfall in, in parts of Brooklyn. The uh, news channels in New York City now are doing uh, live coverage because of... Um, the rain-related issues, and so uh, no service now in Brooklyn because of flooding on the tracks, and that might spread to other parts of New York City. And although the forecasters in the New York City area had called for some rain for today, the forecast that I had heard up until really Thursday afternoon really did not anticipate this kind of of heavy heavy downpour and now pictures are starting to trickle in showing cascades of water coming down the uh, steps in some of the subway stations in Brooklyn so that that is liable to take um, a significant amount of time to get service restored in in Brooklyn 
some areas, of course, in New York City, the subway system are especially vulnerable when there is such heavy rain in a short period of time. At any rate, we'll continue to follow that. Uh, basically, again, it's a, if you look at the maps with the projected precipitation, it's very interesting. The gradient where if you're in the New York City area, Long Island, some areas will get three, four, five or more inches of rain. And then as you go north and west up here toward the southern tier, the amount of rain anticipated is is almost negligible. So we're actually, um, in this particular instance, we're, we're catching, a, I think, a significant break, which is fortunate, but it's, it's also unfortunate for the people right now who are dealing with uh, the heavy rain in the New York City area. It's 1124, live and local on a Friday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Smiling Faces, 1129 at News Radio, WNBF, live and local on Friday morning. This is Bob Joseph. Big political story today. Senator Dianne Feinstein has died at her home in Washington, D.C. She was 90. Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer remembered his colleague a short time ago on the floor of the Senate. Just a short time after Senator Feinstein died. As the nation mourns this tremendous loss, we're comforted in knowing how many mountains Diane moved, how many lives she impacted, how many glass ceilings she shattered along the way. America, America is a better place because of Senator Diane Feinstein. And Senator Schumer also um, remarked on her integrity and the way she helped guide the way for others in the Senate and elsewhere in the United States. Her integrity was a diamond. Her integrity shone like a beacon across the Senate and across the country for all to see and hopefully emulate. That's Senator Charles Schumer as he remembered his longtime colleague, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who was the first woman to represent California in the Senate. Interesting piece now on the Los Angeles Times web- website. 
says she surmounted an abusive childhood and early political failures to become the first woman to represent California in the U.S. Senate. Longtime senator died uh, apparently late last night in her home in D.C. She was the oldest member of the U.S. Senate when she died. Questions about her mental capacity shadowed her final years in office, blemishing her reputation and forcing her to repeatedly fend off calls to resign. This is a story by Kathleen Decker posted on the Los Angeles Times website. Feinstein had put out a statement as she neared her 89th birthday last year. And in the statement, she said, I'd put my record up against anyone's. That was after a series of news accounts that questioned her ability to keep doing the job. She did ultimately bow to age and political reality. Last February, she announced she would not seek re-election in 2024. After two unsuccessful attempts to be elected mayor of San Francisco, Feinstein stepped into the job under dire circumstances after the assassination of her predecessor, George Moscone, and supervisor Harvey Milk. And from that unanticipated perch, she was considered for a Democratic vice presidential nomination in 1984 and six years later became the first woman nominated by a major party for governor of California. Well, she lost, but she rebounded two years later to claim the Senate seat that she would hold for over three decades. Her Senate career was marked by hard-fought accomplishments, including a 1994 bill banning certain semi-automatic firearms, an issue she continued to press after its expiration a decade later. According to the L.A. Times piece, while generally liberal, she hewed to a flinty pragmatism, even when that grew increasingly out of fashion in her party as it moved to the left. So we are remembering Senator Dianne Feinstein, who has died at the age of 90. It's 11.33 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Closer to home, as we take a look at the WNBF.com website, OSHA, the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration, has been investigating what happened on Good Friday in Binghamton's First Ward. That was April 7th. So it was nearly six months ago. You remember the work that was being done on Glenwood Avenue. Glenwood Avenue was being reconstructed. And right around 2 o'clock on that Friday afternoon... A person who was running a John Deere dozer backed up the piece of equipment. And ran over a co-worker, a man from Port Crane. So he was very badly injured. I met him for the first time a few weeks ago. And we chatted a bit. He's made tremendous progress. He sustained 
very, very serious injuries. Uh, leg, hip, pelvis injuries. And he's been through so much. Uh, at one point, he was in the hospital for 70 days. He's been recuperating at home. And even though he's been through so much since April 7th, he still displayed a very positive attitude when I spoke with him earlier this month. So we wish him the best. But right now, the company that was involved with that project for the city of Binghamton, this company in the town of Union called Chicago Construction Company. Their offices are in Union Center Main Highway. It's north of Endicott. So OSHA has been looking into this. The agency's website indicates they initially were planning to assess nearly $9,400 in penalties for two serious violations. The potential fine, though, was reduced to about $4,700. It was cut in half. Now, the case doesn't seem to be wrapped up yet, according to the OSHA website. It appears that it's close to being closed, but at this point, they may have to finalize the investigation. So according to OSHA, the company failed to provide proper training to the person who was operating the dozer that ran over Totten. OSHA also concluded the reverse, and I, I said Totten, I didn't mention his name earlier, Keith Totten is the man who was injured. Uh, OSHA also concluded the reverse signaling alarm on the bulldozer could not be heard above the surrounding noise level. The review also determined a person was not posted to signal to the operator that it was safe to back up. Now, we haven't heard from the company. We called the company a couple of times on Thursday to try to get a comment about what happened, and we have not heard from the company. But again, uh, potentially thousands of dollars in fines for safety violations. They're called serious safety violations, according to OSHA, regarding... The terrible incident that happened last April 7th over on Glenwood Avenue. And we wish Mr. Totten and his wife and the rest of his family the best. They have been through a lot. It's hard to imagine what they all have gone through. And certainly hard to imagine what everybody else at the work site on that reconstruction project. It's hard to imagine what they've been through. Everybody involved. So we keep them in our thoughts. We wish people well going forward. It's, uh, when things like that happen. It's terrible. Terrible story to cover. It's 10.30, or rather 11.38. This is Bob Joseph live on your Friday afternoon. 607-772-1290. If you would like to talk on WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. To be... News Radio 
7.42 at WNBF. Sadly, the tide is going to be high uh, in, in New York City. You've got uh, high tide issues and other uh, it, other problems they're combining with all the rain they're receiving. So I hate to say, hate to use the phrase, it's almost a perfect storm, but that is what it seems to be right now for uh, parts of Brooklyn and other sections of New York City, Long Island, and the New Jersey coast. Right now, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is uh, providing a live update with all the problems that are happening with the heavy rain in his city. And we now go live to New York City. Here's Mayor Adams. On a roadway or a subway station, uh, do not enter. Take necessary precaution. Uh, This is a dangerous... All right, let's reestablish the feed, the connection with Mayor Adams as he addresses the people of New York City. ...is over. Our city has already taken action to protect all New Yorkers, including uh, rescuing those in need of help. There was an issue on uh, the Belt Parkway by the Ocean Parkway exit. Uh, Those are the types of roadway conditions we're asking New Yorkers to avoid. Every single one of our agencies... Uh, has an emergency plan, and we are executing those plans. We're ready, and you should be at well to be prepared for this moment. Commissioner Isco from New York City Emergency Management will provide more detailed updates uh, to us on the situation throughout the city. Uh, this is a time for caution, but it's also a time for community. Uh, check on neighbors, uh, do whatever is possible to unclog drain areas to allow the water to fro- flow freely. Uh, you would be surprised how if we remove leaves and other trash from those areas, it will really assist in getting water off our streets. Uh, check on your friends, your relatives, and especially those who are most vulnerable such as the elderly and individuals with health conditions. If the conditions are safe, take time, as I indicated, to clean out the debris from your drains, particularly in between the heavy rainfall. And for the most accurate and timely updates, sign up for Notify NYC. This is a moment to remind everyone of how important important Notify NYC is. Those alerts go a long way to keep you ahead of what is happening. You can dial 311 or visit nyc.gov slash notify to subscribe. That's NYC. This is New York City Mayor Eric Adams speaking live. Uh, also at the briefing is Governor Kathy Hochul and other New York City officials. A significant amount of rain has fallen over the last several hours in the New York City area, and more rain is expected this afternoon and tonight. And understanding uh, that this is an extreme emergency uh, measures, extreme emergency condition that we must be prepared for. I want to turn it over to uh, uh, Governor Hoku. Uh, Governor, again, thanks so much. It was good talking to you this morning and your quick response. Yeah, this is Governor Hochul. I believe she is, uh, I think she may be in Albany. Once again, I commend your leadership and uh, the coordination between your team and our team at the state level. It is seamless. And the bottom line is we're here to help New Yorkers get through what is a, a life-threatening rainfall event. And I agree with you that people should be able to stay home if possible. 
But I know right now there's a lot of anxious parents wondering if they're going to be able to get their children home from schools. And I'm working very close with Jan Lieber, who'll give updates from the MTA. But our priority once the immediate uh, in the after, immediate aftermath of this first wave of the storm, and again, it could come back again. It could reemerge later again this afternoon. But we want to make sure we get the subways, the trains, uh, our communication system, our transportation system up working because there's children who use the subways to get home from school. People need to be able to know if they can get home from work. And so that is priority number one to make sure that our, our subways and our rail systems are safe. There have been significant disruptions. Without a doubt, uh, particularly heading north, I just spoke to the county executive, George Latimer of Westchester County. The epicenter has shifted from the city regions, very much so from Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan, where I spoke to the borough presidents to offer our assistance in the Bronx, but is now heading north into the Hudson Valley. So we're also coordinating with those localities as well as Nassau County. Uh, I will say this, if people decide to venture out in a vehicle, they do so at their own peril because even six inches of rain, one foot of rain, it may look pretty innocuous, it's safe, but that is a condition where your vehicle can be swept away and we lose more lives of people during flooding events, of which we've had many, especially this summer in the city, in the Hudson Valley in particular. The reason people lose their lives in a flood event, more often than not, is they're swept away in their vehicles. So this is a choice people make. We encourage them not to decide to do that. Please uh, stay home. Be safe. We'll, uh, we are deploying more buses. We have more bus operators to be able to create uh, options if we don't get the subways back on schedule. The airports uh, right now, Terminal A at LaGuardia is closed because of flooding at a fuel field right now. We brought in more resources from JFK to assist with that as well. Uh, the flights are going in and out of the airports, but they are delayed. And so people should check on uh, the websites for that as well. Uh, also, we're trying to be as helpful as we can. The city mayor, you've been fantastic. We've deployed National Guard. We've deployed uh, more pumps from our surplus to help you assist. And everyone remembers what happened. I was literally governor one week when Hurricane Ida hit. And we walked those streets of Queens and many parts of the city. And people literally drowned in their basement homes. And so people also need to not get in vehicles but leave your home if you're starting to see water accumulate. Don't wait until it's up to your knees or higher. Uh, by then, it could be a, a barrier to getting able to have access safely out the door, as we saw before. And so, this is Governor Kathy Hochul talking about a flood emergency in New York City, and also now with uh, increasing concerns about heavy rain outside the city in Westchester County and into the Hudson Valley. United is one. Thank you very much, Governor Hochul. Thank you, Mayor Adams, for the update. Next, we'll get a full update from New York City Emergency Management Commissioner Zach Iskell. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Governor Hochul. Uh, first and foremost, I also want to express my heartfelt gratitude uh, to the emergency managers, to our first responders, our agency partners who have all been working tirelessly overnight and over the past day, preparing the city and, and doing all they can to keep New Yorkers safe. Uh, they really are the backbone of, of the city. Our emergency operations center has been active in operation to effectively coordinate our multi-agency response to this ongoing weather crisis. We have teams right now that are specifically focused on highway flooding, basement flooding, and the impacts of the MTA. Uh, we're monitoring uh, continuously uh, a number of high-risk areas 
in order to deploy teams from different agencies to take immediate action as needed. Uh, through the day yesterday and today, we've also been issuing really important safety messages and updates to the public. Uh, it's crucial for everyone to stay tuned to the latest information. As the mayor said, uh, that's the first line of defense. Uh, we're also very fortunate the National Weather Service is on site at our command center here at New York City Emergency Management. They've been invaluable in providing real-time updates, allowing us to make sure that information is getting out to our agency partners and the public with the most accurate forecasts uh, and weather information uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, as I said, we're also in a very active response mode right now. We're confronting the severe weather conditions that are affecting our city as we speak. A National Weather Service flood watch is in effect. And let me be clear, we're taking this extremely, extremely seriously. Uh, consultations with the National Weather Service began as early as Wednesday. Uh, they remain ongoing, and we will continue to monitor this situation as it evolves. Uh, this proactive approach is part of our flash flood plan, which is our comprehensive strategy uh, that we've been honing over the years to make sure that we're able to respond effectively to situations just like this one. Um, and that is the New York City Emergency Management Commissioner, Zach Iskell, discussing the situation that he and other city officials are responding to with a, a real, that's a real serious problem, as they um, have noted. Uh, Governor Hochul did say that uh, she, when she was speaking on WCBS a few minutes ago. It's actually worse than anticipated right now. And the forecast did indicate that the area would receive some significant rain. But now looking at more pictures, there are different parts of uh, New York City where there is really significant street flooding. Somebody just tweeted a picture from Park Slope with... Um, Flooding and, and some cars are just inundated. They, they can't get through uh, some of the uh, busier sections of that part of New York City. Uh, the As I mentioned, when Governor Hochul was speaking, I thought she was in her Albany office, and it turns out that's where she was. Uh, she was speaking in that uh, media briefing that started off with the, the New York City Mayor Eric Adams and... Clearly, the situation is quite bad now, and it appears that it might get worse over the next several hours. Some places in New York City uh, potentially will wind up with several inches of rain. Some have already see, uh, received apparently three or four inches of rain in a short period of time. But some of the flood warnings indicate that um, even more rain likely will will be falling uh, this afternoon and tonight. They say um, rainfall rate in much of uh, New York City is one to two inches an hour. And flash flooding already has occurred in, in many sections. New York City and um, surrounding areas even into New Jersey and going into Westchester County. So if you were planning to travel to the east or southeast today, better revisit those plans. Today is not the day to be heading in that direction. So th this includes 
yes, northeastern New Jersey, southwestern Connecticut. So rivers could potentially even wind up going over their banks. There had not been an expectation of river flooding, but the way things are shaping up now, that could happen. So according to the latest guidance from the National Weather Service for the New York City area, that part, tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, three to five inches total rain expected and localized amounts of five to seven inches possible. And the flooding will be exacerbated in coastal areas where heavy rainfall coincides with the um, high tides. It's 11.54 at News Radio WNBF. Fortunately, at this moment in time, the Binghamton area is being spared from the heavy rain. Our forecast is cloudy this afternoon with a chance of showers and a high of 64. Rainfall in the Binghamton area today between one-tenth of an inch and a quarter of an inch possible. Mostly cloudy tonight with a chance of showers, the high 53. And then for the weekend, weekend actually looks quite nice, especially when you compare it to last weekend. Tomorrow will start mostly cloudy and then gradually become sunny with a high of 71. Sunday, sunny and high 76. And looks like, uh, at least briefly, a return to summer-like weather into the new work week with temperatures in the upper 70s and low 80s for uh, most of next week. So if you thought that uh, weather we had over the last few days was too cool, too dreary, it appears that we will have uh, a little bit, a little bit of uh, extended summer which is too bad because we won't have any baseball games to go to, which I know. Maybe maybe I'll still go over to the ballpark some night next week. It's supposed to be sunny and 83 on Wednesday. Now that will already be October, but that would be, I think, a perfect evening for a baseball game, and yet there will be no baseball in Binghamton till next April. At any rate, thank you everyone for listening today those who called in we appreciate everyone's contributions and thoughts we uh, managed to get in a little bit of music talk and a bit of politics inevitably as far as the government shutdown well it's probably going to happen and when it does you can bet life will go on <laughs> life always goes on whether the federal government is operating or not I'm Bob Joseph. Have a good weekend. I'll catch you Monday here on WNBF. Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.